0: Today I have a special Ask Me Anything episode. So instead of handling all of the duties myself, I have my vagrants bandmate here to help me out, Justin Sellers. So we put out an Ask Me Anything request on my Facebook page, and you also queried some of
1: our music brethren, is that right? Who did you ask? It was conversations that I had with friends of ours, like you know Dan Paris and uh, Billy Schneider. Have having the idea to do something like this and being curious that I like I'm gonna ask jump this does that sound interesting to you they seem to think that it could be
0: sweet well let's get started then what did these guys have to ask me and what is it that you were desperate to pick my mind about I wanted to talk about started playing guitar
1: 12 I was 13 13 13 and was it did you learn primarily initially on an Acoustic or an electric?
0: I had a three-quarter scale electric guitar. I was still a really small dude, mm-hmm. but it was an electric guitar. It was called the Rock Axe, and it came in a kit with a little amplifier called the Rock Bug, and a case <laughs> that it all went in called the Rock Sack.
1: The Rock Bug went into the Rock Sack? That's and pretty the, awesome. Yeah, and the Rock Axe. Who Ax, made that?
0: I think it was just called Rock Axe, man. It was something really? that Pianos & Stuff was selling as a kit. Way back when, oh, for okay. who knows how much, it was probably something like one hundred and fifty dollars for a little amp book. But, but like, was it like, a, was it like Ibanez? Was it? Was no, it, I don't think it was any name
1: brand. Oh, okay. Not at least, at least that not exists today. Yeah. So, how long before did you, when you picked it up? Did you just kind of start learning on your own? Like, did you like get a book? Or did, like, when you got that gift, did you immediately go to lessons?
0: Yeah, it came with lessons. So my friend Jason Gold played guitar, and he is the one who inspired me to want to learn. Mm -hmm. He was playing some Stairway to Heaven for me one day, and I I just thought it was the best thing on earth. So I asked for a guitar for Christmas that year. And I got one, and I started taking lessons right then. So it was an early Christmas present. So December of
1: 1990. Did you not... I think like some there might be some people who before they jump into something like guitar, maybe have a, a question with the, maybe have a kind of an understanding of how the instrument even worked.
0: Yeah, I started to figure out the way that the different instruments sounded. I didn't really have any know how about how to put my hands on the instrument, but I knew which one was the bass and I knew which one was the guitar because I was listening to Motley Crue long enough to start to ask questions about what was what. And Too Fast for Love was my favorite album. And all the songs were written by Nikki Six. But then I saw that he played bass. So I asked, is that guitar that I hear? Because the loudest thing on the Motley Crue albums when when you're a little kid, it's just the guitar. Mm -hmm. And no, I figured out it was Mick Mars playing guitar. So I had that knowledge and my friend Jason played guitar and that was really compelling to me. And that's it. And then I just started taking guitar lessons at pianos and stuff.
1: So you never had... It's, it's foreign to me because like the way, uh, in the way that I learned, I never took lessons. The differences between those two of someone who, like yourself who has devoted so much of their life becoming so learned at a thing that like my playing in comparison is, uh, is quite uh, primitive.
0: Yeah, well, it depends on what it is that you want to do on the instrument. So if I had wanted to just sing songs and, pl- and play rhythm guitar... And even at lessons, that's what I would have focused on. But since I was into lead guitar and heavy metal, I always wanted to know how to play the solos too. So I just naturally got led into the, the lead guitar vein. And it just requires a, a a lot of finger training just to be able to pull off yeah, the solos. Yeah, absolutely. Of so, course, and yeah. And I also noticed that I was I had some instant aptitude that I didn't have in other things that I had tried in my young life. So I had tried skateboarding. I had tried ice hockey
1: like serious like and baseball So serious in the same way that you got serious Well about not the really. I
0: mean, I had fun doing those things, you know, especially skateboarding was cool. But I would say in general, I I stunk at skateboarding, baseball and ice hockey. But then when I started playing guitar, I noticed a sort of instant aptitude. Yeah. Not that it wasn't difficult. But I still struggled to like all beginners yeah. do, but the, I noticed that I was able to do things a little faster than Like, for example, on skateboard, there's that little hop-skip that they do called an ollie. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I could
1: ollie, like, on the first day, basically, and then on guitar. You know, you started learning at 13. You went through high school, and you went to college for music, which I I feel like there are a lot of dudes that probably play guitar and and, uh, probably were able to play at a reasonable aptitude as yourself, but never kind of carried that devotion onto their education because I feel like it's a bit of a like it's a gamble you know because I committed
0: to it early and I was led on by desire to be a good guitar player so I wanted to be a good guitarist and I just committed to it no matter what and there is some regret there being a professional musician is difficult obviously but I just wanted to do it more than anything else I know my knowledge of it
1: is far less than yours, you know? Like, I, I don't know. You have a
0: natural knowledge that is based on audiation, being able to, to hear things well in your head and to to make that happen on the guitar as far as harmony goes so you're good at chords and everything. So there's more than one way to get there. There isn't always clear, better route through the education. Yeah. A lot of people get there and they're just as good and they are illiterate as they come when it comes to notation, et cetera but they be, they develop an own their own kind of fluency that's not based on the written musical staff but is based on just being able to hear and being able to realize things on their instruments or with their voice. Could
1: you explain to me then like could you give me an example of a type of player that is capable of that opposite of yourself? you know what I mean like yeah, uh, they're
0: just as good but they're they're could you give me very illiterate. most most guitar players. Sure. I mean, we we can just start with all the metal guys, right? Uh, Slash, Mick Mars, Kirk Hammett, Dave Mustaine. They couldn't read guitar notation to save their lives. I would bet my life that that's true for really? all four of those guys.
1: I yeah. could see maybe maybe Slash, <laughs> but like Dave Mustaine, I don't know, I man. They
0: might know. He's, some, he's they, they might back know back some tablature and just be able to figure it out by ear. But if I were to put classical guitar notation down in front of any of them, I'm certain that no classical guitar music would be forthcoming. And I've talked about this before elsewhere. I think that this unnecessarily limits people's experience with music. There's so much more to learn than just what what it is that you can hear and what it is that you can figure out by watching or listening. It's a lot like only being able to speak versus being able to speak and read. Right, so you can't access most of uh, literature by by listening. You have to also get in there and read. And it's like that with music. Half of humanity's musical canon is only written down and has not been recorded. Most of that stuff produced, you know, in the uh, you know, ten centuries of of written notation that we have since around nine 900- hundred that's unavailable. I mean, that's a, like a scholar's approach to it and is a little bit boring. And I know that most people get what they want out of music without having to read. And I'm the same way. I didn't learn how to read till much later. I was 20 when I learned how to read. I remember you I was super said. late, so I had to do a lot of making up. So mm-hmm. I, I have a a, a sort of a special view of it where it's it's more of a privilege to be able to sight read because I, I can't sight read as fluent as a lot of my colleagues But it it is something that I've developed, and I see that it's beneficial because now I can listen and read.
1: Yeah, I just feel like, do you have any time to like, because that's a lot of music coming at you with like what you're you're writing. Your Yeah, it's
0: fundamentally distorted my relationship to music. I no longer have the emotional connection or even the deep-seated love of the pleasure of listening to music. So now I I write, think about, teach, perform, uh, otherwise expound upon music To such a degree that when I'm not working, I'm listening to audiobooks or just silence. It's very rare that I I seek out new music ever. What I do more often is I seek out those bands that I had a relationship with when I was growing up. For example, the new Dirt movie, The Motley Crue Biopic, has rekindled my love of that band. So I've just been listening to Motley Crue recently, and that's been great.
1: I love that that movie. So, like, I,
0: I don't find new music I compelling.
1: Do. We watched that movie together. I, I I agree. I've I've listened to, you know, probably not as much as you have. But yeah. I, it's definitely rekindled my, like, I, I need to go
0: back. Yeah, now some I of, see what I really records. liked about Molly Crew. And they were, they were cool in a lot of ways.
1: So that completely answers my question. Because I was going to ask if you were, if you could still find any joy, you know, if you found it difficult to find joy Yeah, it's in just it
0: looking now. backwards. You know, it's, it's seeing why it is that I'm here. I fell in love with music while listening to Too Fast for, for Love while delivering newspapers when I was 12. Right, so I would listened to, to some heavy metal beforehand, but th- that was the first time where like, I had a Walkman, I had freedom, I had like a job to do. It was mm-hmm. just nothing but Too Fast for Love <laughs> for throwing the paper out. It was just like in 10th grade, I listened to Ride the Lightning every day on the school bus, just like for an entire school year. I remember
1: you told right. me that. I love that story. The year I, the year I rode the lightning. Yeah, the
0: year I rode the lightning, and that's true. Uh, the people around me probably thought I was insane because I just cranked ride the lightning every morning, starting with song one. Man, I fucking love the way the album started, and I just went from the beginning.
1: See, I mean, I, I don't know. We didn't go to school together, but like, if I knew that there was a dude on my bus every day just listening to nothing but Rod the Lightning for a year I would be like he's my favorite tape started at the
0: same time every day (laughs) and like I know because there was another guy on the bus that listened to loud music on headphones and he was listening to hip hop I I remember nothing but a G thing had that real yeah strident vocal hook yeah so it was a every day for that guy because I could hear that melody I was like whatever fuck that guy. you know I was like fight you know, fire with fire like, <laughs> you put it on from the, the top so you put it on from fi- yeah, fight I, fire I, with I would fire get it through almost one side of the tape it was a pretty long bus to, ride to get to school this, to
1: get to school yeah. and then would you pick it up where you left off when yeah, you come yeah, back I, I did but or, most or a lot of times in the afternoon I
0: was more awake and more people were, were awake so sometimes I would talk to people but yeah I, I would, then I would listen to the rest of the album on the way home but I didn't always get through the back half of the album
1: no that's what i was curious yeah. could you could you could you uh Let's listen get to a whole the whole album. yeah could you fit because was your yeah. bus ride long enough that you could fit that but entire album? oftentimes then
0: when i got home from school i would play through the, the entire album because then i was it was that <laughs> and kill them all were like the ones where i was like copying kirk hammett and trying to learn so, to
1: play like that so you listen to ride the lightning um almost to length right on your bus ride and then i would play and then you would go home. home and play the guitar along to the record one time through
0: yeah so this is the way that i put it to, to students and especially the people who want beginners to play that. is this here i'm gonna i'm gonna do a, a question from the the facebook post so i had a, a my childhood friend an old school classmate tammy campus formerly tammy wukowitz what's up tammy thanks for the question So you asked, do you teach private lessons for a 12-year-old who inherited his PAPS acoustic? Now, that's great that there's an acoustic floating around that someone can learn on. But uh, at the moment, I'm not teaching any guitar lessons. And I I did that for a long time. And, you know, it's through strikes and gutters. It's okay. And someday I might do that again. But at the moment, I'm not teaching it there was a lot of pain sometimes associated with teaching guitar lessons due to the mismatch that often exists between parents desire for their children to learn and the kids desire themselves to learn so sometimes a, a parents are just bringing students to lessons a year on and, and the student is not practicing and that was nothing like my experience playing guitar growing up i played guitar until i got yelled at to stop playing guitar right so unless you have that sort of desire and passion to play non-stop, then you don't make any progress so that's the thing that i have to say about lessons does the student want to play is, does the student love music well if the answer to those questions is no it's like a maybe and seems closer to a passing fad then maybe lessons isn't a good idea but if the student themselves asks the parents then yes that's when it's time to and that's what i did i asked my mom for i was like i want to do this mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't know that, you know, sometimes students can be brought to something that they're ignorant about and learn to love it. But more often the right, what about you? Didn't you love music before you started to play guitar? You have a very similar high school experience. Yeah.
1: to me. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I, <laughs> I, you
1: know, my uncle was in a band and he played bass in a band and, uh, you know, so he was kind of, he's 20 years old, 20 years older than me, 21 years older than me. And, uh, so he was kind of like a... He was man. already living the metal dream. You were uh, saying before about how, you know, you, yeah, you do find it hard to, to find the joy in, in the music. I remember that time where you were given those private lessons. I remember doing that. And, and and I can... Or you doing that, I'm sorry. I can remember, like, I, having to come to your store once or twice for something. Maybe I was, like, dropping you off dough from the last gig or something like that. And I remember, like, I could it, I could see it in your face, your, your frustration. Yeah, there's a lot of pain there. I've been a
0: professional guitarist for some years now. And I do have to admit that I am happy that, for the most part, my guitar lesson days are behind me because that's an especially painful half hour. And they're serial, they're one after another. And I got to tell you, man, there's nothing, there's no more than five to 10% of the students that actually want to be there, especially if you're teaching sufficiently young students. So I mean, or there are people that want to be there that aren't getting the memo about how to practice. Some adult students that are so polluted with bad habits mm-hmm. and are already stuck in their ways, and are there really to just show you their their hip licks so that they can show off that they play to somebody and aren't willing to learn? Then you have that lesson juxtaposed to the you know six year old who too young to be taking lessons doesn't have the aptitude. You're wasting your time. The parents aren't in the lesson carol with you. So you know that just whatever you're doing right now is you're just tossing this time and energy down the drain. There's that lesson. And then there's a bunch of lessons where the the kid was interested for the first three months, but that was a year and a half ago. And he's just floating on playing the same stupid songs. So this connects to Joe Sirkotcha's question. So on the Facebook Call out for questions, my friend and the owner and operator of Avery Studios, where he produces videos, Joe Sirkocz, he asks, Are you in favor of teaching new students songs instead of theory or against it? Pros or cons? Well, I think that teaching songs is very important to connect with the students' already existing interests and passions but I tried to mix it up always with teaching them a little bit how to read and a little bit about scale theory, et cetera. So a little bit of theory, and then you get to show them crazy train. And this is the, the classic maneuver for the guitar teacher is you can't just hurl Go Talent Roadie at them full force for 30 minutes and expect them to come back the next week having practiced all week. What was the name of that song? Go talent, roadie. Go talent, roadie. go, tell Aunt. Tell Aunt Rhodey, <sighs> go down. It's not, No, it's a folk song. <laughs> okay, I, dude, I don't know that song. <laughs> it's because you didn't take lessons. <laughs> anyway, so you can't teach Go Talent, Roadie and Ode to Joy for 30 minutes without also having shown them Crazy Train. That's the classic maneuver. So yes, I'm for it. Teach people the songs that they want to hear in the context of what you're trying to theoretically impart on them.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Do you feel that some teachers who give lessons, do you feel that they maybe don't don't follow that same? Yeah, some are just all
0: songs. You know, you might. I I remember I I taught Lesson Carol next to Lesson Carol with a bunch of players that we know, and some of them were were just teaching songs, right? They're just you come on in, and it's all Guns and Roses the whole time, and (laughs) students like that. And I think that for the most part, that's how my lessons were. So. My guitar teachers didn't teach me how to read. My first one began, but then I moved and I had a different guitar teacher, you know, a year in. Sharpsburg to Plum. Yeah, I moved from Sharpsburg to Plum. And, and the teacher in Plum just was all Motley Crue <laughs> and Guns. It was nothing but just showing me how to play this bitch in riff and then this one. That was, that's all it was.
1: <laughs> that's funny to me. I mean, I, you know, I, I assumed most guitar teachers did what you just described is like, okay, yeah, you know. Yeah, many do. I'll show you. Yeah, I'll show you the song you want to learn. But we're gonna. Yeah, I'm, gonna I'm gonna. We're gonna pick it apart here and and kind of pr- provide some of the details of what you're actually doing and the thoughts behind it, as opposed to just blindly and not using the the reading portion. Do yeah, well, it are... bores
0: them the tears, and they <clears throat> hate it with a visceral certainty. Whenever you get the book out, mm-hmm. most humans that I've encountered do not have the patience for written music. It's it goes like this: so, as soon as they discover what it is that you're asking them to do, and yeah. they clam up and refuse it, and they're like, "I'm not doing that. Why the fuck would I do homework? No. I'm here to play." You know, because it's hard. It's it's uh, it's really difficult if you've ever tried, and you never have. Uh, give it a go and see what it see where the the real skill set is. It's pretty amazing.
1: Did you ever have one of those moments, kind of like you know, straight out of the movies, where like you lost a student? that you thought had really great potential. And, yeah, I've uh,
0: lost a bunch of students because I'm boorish and overbearing. I'm like, I don't care, we're doing this. Because I would always make them read. Even if they had like stamped their feet and folded their arms, I'm like, okay, let's take another look at Go Talent Rudy. then. Another reason why I don't teach guitar lessons anymore. Right? <laughs> like exactly. I, I'm just, I, don't, I don't care that you don't get to do your favorite thing. You learn <laughs>
1: music from Uncle Jump
0: and we're starting here
1: you um um so what you were talking about motley Crue before i wondered you see in like a lot of these music documentaries that uh musicians will talk about a moment where they you know i think that tom petty documentary talks about where he saw i think it was he met elvis but he saw the beatles on tv you know he saw ed sullivan some people talk about you know their dad's took them to like their first concert was this band. and It was a kind of awe-inspiring moment that kind of really, you know, endeared them and why they fell in love with music. Like, do you have a moment like that? It was, was it Too Fast for Love? that It made was Too you Fast go, for like, Love, yeah.
0: Was it? It was Too Fast for Love and the performance of Stairway to Heaven by Jason Gold at his house, who was a childhood friend. So Whatever. that guy you talked about before. Yeah, Jason. So he played you... Stairway to Heaven. Yeah, on a guitar he, one he day. had a double neck too, and everything. And he, and no he we, way. yeah, and he put the album on, and he played it all the way through. And he knew the solos, and he, he knew all the rock chords. No way. Yeah, and I was like, "That's yeah." He still play, he plays mandolin now. He's he's a cool guy. I'd like to hook back up with him. I ran into him at that gig we did in the South Side on St. Patrick's Day two years ago. So, anyways, that was my moment. His performance, and then "Too Fast for Love," especially was, was what did
1: it. Now, understanding that you said that, you know. The, the, your passion for giving those private lessons is diminished greatly. What uh, you know, Billy, our friend Billy, and I, I don't.
0: Yeah, he takes s- online takes... lessons from a guy. Yeah, I'd be happy to have a million students like Billy. But that's what I was going to say. Like, but yeah, if that's, you could... that's a different thing that you can get in the guitar lesson, Carol. I mean, if you were doing this as a job, <clears throat> literally one in a hundred students is anything like that. Most of it is just ramshackle, disaster, upsetting thirty minute sessions. Yeah, so anyways, I have a question here from Lauren Machet, who is the music producer and songwriter of Shea Music and manager of the video production company called Orion Vega. She asks, uh, do you ever want to give up music playing guitar completely? And th- the thing is that uh, I haven't had any opportunity to do so because, you know, as of college, I decided on this and I just committed to it. But I have some regrets. I mean, it, it's not been pure pleasure. But I, I haven't had the opportunity to seriously consider not playing anymore. I, I don't know what that would be like. But I, I don't think that, that I can or if that's something in the future for me. You know, it's integral to my livelihood. But I have experienced plenty of, you know, ennui and regret and boredom sometimes. And it's also due to my somewhat adversarial Relationship with music—it's no longer something to be loved. Really, it's like something to be conquered, and that's a that's a really unhealthy relationship. But that's how—that's how it is, man. I—I I, I don't want to lie to you. No, I, you I, know, I, I, I love that. You're advers- t- I love that
1: you're telling me this adversarial it's, for sure, because yeah. it, it's something that I always wondered. Yeah, I've just been I annihilating
0: wondered. my lack of talent for thirty years
1: straight in a way that is adversarial. Is there? When was the last? When was the last time that you? Put something on like an album and like just kind of really sat and listened to it, s- absorbed it.
0: Yeah, well, I was listening to Girls, Girls, Girls the other morning while pumping iron, and that was pretty badass. I really absorbed <laughs> Where are
1: that. Were you? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, side two, man. You were Starts pump- with Five Years you were Dead.
1: Pumping iron to Girls, Girls, Girls on vinyl.
0: On vinyl, yeah. Oh, <gasps>
1: that's hilarious. Yeah, it's just this past Tuesday.
0: Yeah, it was a couple of days ago. Yeah.
1: So coming from that perspective that uh, Lauren talked about, where, you know, uh, so obviously coming from that way, you know, you, you probably don't have those doubts as much because you can't afford to have those doubts. Yes. And uh, here it goes. When you, you, you you know, you also, at one point were playing a lot of music in original bands and in doing that, Least around this area, it's not a very lucre- lucrative uh, thing. That and, and it doesn't always kind of get to a level that some other bands may get. It to. hardly ever gets to the level. It's like hitting yeah. the lottery, and it's a lot like pure
0: pain. I mean, I've been in a million original bands, but I haven't been in an original band for about five years or even more. I don't have to remember. Mm-hmm. And only half the band is interested. Then you're dealing with schedules, and then you play these soul-crushing shows where nobody comes, and you're just inviting people that are your friends, but, you know, I don't know. I I think that that ship has sailed. The formula is as follows. When you're 19 or 20, you get together with three other 19 and 20-year-olds, and none of you guys have jobs or girlfriends, and you all move into one house together, and you commit to this one thing with a maniacal certainty, and then you follow it through. But that has never been my experience. It's always been, like, uh, half focus. Everyone has jobs, wives, girlfriends, and kids, and then careers, yeah. and that's just not how you do it. I mean, the, I mean, that's how you make it all the way to the coffee shop. But if you want to take it to the next level, that that the business model is as follows: you you are nineteen or twenty, you don't have a job, you don't have a girlfriend, or if you have job, all of the money is pulled and resourced towards this one goal and living in the same house is probably critical then you can always perform i mean that's how i mean motley Crue, and the grateful dead you know they all live in the same house metallica did you ever do that no i always wished that i could but the bands that i was with the times that i was with them there was always you know the aforementioned stumbling blocks jobs wives girlfriends kids careers etc would you have done that yeah, I would say that if there was a time, it, w- it would have been. I guess I was in my mid early, I was in my mid twenties, and maybe Grand Vision Channel. Mm-hmm. But by that point, it, it was too late. Everyone, everyone had hunkered down. Yeah, so it. You know, I don't know. I just wasn't good enough early enough. I think okay. I didn't hit my stride until I was deeper into manhood and uh, career oriented thinking. Really? Around what time would that have been? I don't know, like 26, and 27, when I was in grad school. Yeah. I, I think I have sort of graduated into competent musicianhood. <laughs> I don't,
1: I mean, I, I, I disagree, <laughs> but okay. I,
0: mean, I, was, I, I listened to recordings of myself from my early 20s, and I am just a loose cannon. I'm just a one train wreck away from taking the band with me. And that, that brings me to another question from my Facebook post. So let me let me re- read this one. Good this is from, from a podcast listener named Adam Fitz, who hosts For a Song, which is a weekly video series devoted to music and performance. He asks, what is your point of view on taking risks or venturing into uncomfortable territory during a performance? Do you find it exhilarating or anxiety-inducing or other? Could you share an experience where you took a risk and it was transcendent or disastrous. Yes, I am taking risks at every gig during most guitar solos. It's really the only thing I have left that's exhilarating musically to me. So I am always going for it in a way that is somewhat musically unhelpful. Really, it has to be a little bit annoying to be in a band with me, but really it's it's exhilarating to me. It doesn't make me anxious ever because really nothing that I do musically matters. To anyone on earth it doesn't matter that tonight probably will improvise somewhere in the neighborhood of i don't know 65 guitar solos that makes sense right if we if we play 40 songs and i do some jamming in all of them two times well but do you think that i will fall on my face tonight at least 20 percent of those times why do you think that fall on my face is a way to describe it's like the phrase not coming out the way that I imagined and stumbling on my abilities.
1: But it sounds to me just because of it, I I have I know how I feel about your playing and like I know that you do because you know like so with what we do you know you think some of the solos you you've worked out and like complete like to like note for note yeah that's always better then, especially hard solos and then um you know some you kind of I know are a bit more. uh you know, with somebody, there's, I know there's no, nothing written out. And then other times maybe you learn kind of pieces and kind of tag those on. Yeah, and that's then, how you do it. You develop and, a
0: little bit of vocabulary for your repertoire and then you deploy it here and there.
1: But I think you're, but I, I feel sense. like you're being overly critical of your playing. Like, I, so, 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 so you, do you think 65%?
0: Well, the thing is that, is that I'm always said? going for it unhelpfully. Yeah, I think that sometimes I overplay.
1: I think that there are times, because you know that this has happened, there are times that there are moments that you've gone for it, and I looked over at you and was like, he's going for it. <laughs> you know, and like, yeah. But I, I I love those moments when you do that. Yeah, you sometimes I time. stick the landing. Do you think you do that more than I uh, call attention I certainly to do
0: it to more than any other guitar player that I witness. I don't see this sort of wily play from anyone else. I think that I make more mistakes than most. Like, take our... Or colleagues, right? Billy or Dan or Freddie, all of these elite players out there, I think that they're less apt to crash the airplane into the mountain than I am because I'm always like on the threshold of what it is that I'm capable of doing at any moment, usually. I think do, you, do you agree? Do you have I think that there's a lot of conservative, conservative play out there, and that's the wise way to do. It. And sometimes I do play conservatively.
1: I think that no, I don't. Th- I mean, I think you. I listen. I'm. I will not argue that you don't take chances, but like I don't hear you. Uh, what you refer to as crash and burn, nearly as much as I. I, yeah. I think. I guess that I think, you think of think it in do. studio
0: takes. You know, what's that in studio takes? When I is this what I would want on my permanent record, <laughs> like that lick at that, in that moment. And Most times it's okay, probably not. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I, I think sometimes it's really good. Sometimes I, I can really, you know, ride the tiger, as feel, Ronnie James Dio would say.
1: Well, feeling that way, that, that you know, you, you kind of, you're always kind of trying to, whatever, steer this mountain. And it sounds to me like you feel like you've never... Successfully, like you feel like you haven't successfully done it yet. No, sometimes I've stick the landing, like
0: Mary Lou Retton, like accomplish what I set out to accomplish.
1: Are there any moments that you can think of in your life, whether in your in your musical life, either recorded or like a live performance? Does, is there? Any, like, yeah, there's a couple that like think I did well that you can remember that you were like I remember this one time, and I don't care if it was. Like, <laughs> Yeah, Clearly, it's even if it's only important to you. Like oh, that one, I one time, that one time we played this gig with these guys, and man, the music I I, I was perfect that night. I, it was everything I wanted to do. Yeah, there was a couple of performances like that. Can you name? Sure. Some?
0: One was uh, the Williams Band's performance during the Beatles show in 2013. It was the one that was the last performance at Club Cafe before they moved it to Mr. Small's. But we were doing. All of their cavern rock hits. We did like Doctor Robert and One After '909. Just straight Beatles rockers. Mm-hmm. And I had really prepared and, and hunkered down on George Harrison's tone. And I, I remember having a, a good performance there.
1: So that's live. But what about how about a recorded? Do you have an exact like? Is there like a recording that you've done that like yeah. that you've ever like that uh, that like. You just Yeah, there's a
0: couple moments uh, on the the original still a small voice live recording that are pretty good and a lot of that is me doing precisely what I just described like on the threshold. So you feel that's is. a good
1: example of what you, okay. <clears throat>
0: Yeah, like I am f- ready to
1: fly off the rails at any moment that entire recording. That's that's yeah. so, well that's that's <clears throat> that I think well, I mean obviously I was in that band with you so that's interesting to me that like that's how you look at that because we have a recording of
0: it. Yeah, that's what it sounds I don't, like to me.
1: I don't. I guess I don't hear that. I hear. I hear you, capably handling what's going on there. Yeah.
0: Well, I think you know, just like you said, I have some parts figured out, and then I, I was just. I remember, you know, being live too. You you play with a certain amount of energy that isn't there in the studio.
1: Yeah. So you pref- would you say that you prefer? Playing guitar live as opposed to, to doing it in the studio?
0: I, I, don't, I don't really have a preference. Both are legitimate art forms that, that I You don't have enjoy. one you prefer? You don't find one more exciting? Yeah, it's obviously more exciting to play live, but it's, I like the permanent record aspect of making a recording yeah. and, doing, and doing
1: that as well as possible. Yeah. So uh, touching on that original aspect of, of your uh, music life, also write songs. You've written songs. Original songs. Um, Are there any songs that you have written that, like, as a songwriter, you know, are there any songs that you've ever written that, like, you really kind of felt like, just, like, even looking back, that you're like, I'm really proud of that one? You know, I...
0: Yeah, it's hard to say. There are some that I'm fond of, but uh, I'm pretty critical of my songwriting. And the way that I, I didn't pursue anything after I put out my solo album three or four years ago at this point... Uh, should display that. Like, I do like some of the songs on on that album, but it does highlight the fact that, uh, you know, I'm like, songwriting isn't my forte. Though I do like Straw Man. I do like If I Could Rewrite Farewell. And, uh, you know, I I like, I'm always confused. There's a couple songs on there that I think are pretty good.
1: I like that. But I like that record. I I like, um, I really like the one that you did with Billy. I like that one a lot. Straw Man I also liked a lot but I even like i i still like uh into my oceanary ed- <laughs> and and, and yeah. uh wasting me wasting me I also like do you remember that song I think we were calling it like my baby or something like oh yeah, yeah. I remember that yeah is that what you were calling it yeah it was kind of like a it kind of almost became like a i i'd Weezer-y... have to dig that
0: out of the memory hole. yeah I had a weezer guitar so though like, I think I yeah. have a, a live recording
1: of that from vix um
0: yeah I'd be interested to hear it because
1: I, I don't think I could get it Out of my memory. Yeah, yeah, it took on like a kind of uh, a Weezer-ish kind of quality I felt at the time. Well, that's interesting. I I wanted to know about, you know, as far as I, you know. I have been playing
0: some of them to see if I could put them into some sort of acoustic act ever. You know, just to pepper them in Mm -hmm. here and there if I play a show that makes sense for for that type of thing. I'd be down with you doing that. That That'd be great. But like,
1: Has there been anything new?
0: Well, I have some instrumentals that I've been working on, but they're in sort of a jazz vein, which here's full disclosure. I don't really even like jazz.
1: (laughs) What did you say?
0: Full disclosure, I don't really even like jazz. Yeah. But I've been writing these jazz songs. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. Yeah, so that's all I've been working on. I thought you called it something. No, it it doesn't have a name yet. Something with movie quotes, because all the songs have movie quotes as titles. So, for example, there's oh, one yeah? called Not on the Rug, Man. <laughs> and there's one called We're All Fine Here, which is a reference to Han Solo's. What so made you decide to do that? I don't know. Just had some
1: Was ideas. there ever a point, what was the point where you, had, you knew you had to kind of make that commitment? I know you mentioned, like, you know, man m- makes a decision, but, like,
0: well, I had to make the secondary decision, and it was after a year of working in the private sector again. So I went to college for guitar, but then when I got out of college, there wasn't any jobs waiting for me. Mm-hmm. So I, I got a job at the at Guitar Center in Monroeville. You remember that? Mm-hmm. And then uh, I was living on Mount Washington and commuting to this Guitar Center job, and oh, I realized right. that I had to commit... I had to follow through and in, in my career that meant getting a master's degree. So I, I, you know, I decided, well, I'm getting a master's degree. I'm quitting this sales job that I hated. And, you know, my girlfriend at the time promptly broke up with me and I moved back in with my parents for 18 months while I, I got a graduate degree. Yeah. And that was the moment where that was like, all right, yeah, I am doing this. See, I, yeah. I'm really committing to it and really racking up tremendous debt you know, that, that's what it means to, to get a student loan.
1: Was there ever a point where like, it seems like some, some of these people, especially nowadays when you hear about, um, like if you go to Nashville, like Nashville, is big on like studio players. There was, there, was there ever a point where like you considered going that route at all? Cause yeah, I, that I, that I, I do think that
0: that w- was something that I thought about, <laughs> but like many things I I didn't know what, how to follow through or, or where to go from there and then i also just have a realistic picture of, of my abilities and I, I just don't think that i'm you know on a scale of guitar players some of those nashville session players aren't you know absolute double black diamonds mm-hmm. and uh, you know i'm sometimes it's still you know not quite bunny slope guitar material but you know it's, uh, it's not skiing down a mountain when you're hearing my guitar solo. Uh, some of those solos that those Nashville players play are just uh, spectacularly executed. I'm not quite there.
1: We always, uh, we always joke around privately about our Olympic rating system. Yeah. Uh, you know, the bronze, the silver, the gold. Where would you place yourself in that? that, that in the
0: realm of guitar players? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a really difficult thing.
1: But <laughs> we've done it to other people, so you should be able to do it to yourself. Yeah, well,
0: I'll just go with the boring answer that I'm the silver medalist. I'm pretty uh, well rounded. I can play fingerstyle pretty well and classical, and uh, I can play some jazz songs. Though I wouldn't dare call myself a jazz guitarist, but I have a, a fairly developed aptitude in rock and pop guitar playing.
1: Uh, I'm, 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 I, I, that's interesting because I, I. I would put you out of gold. All right, man. So I got a couple more questions here, and then I got some rapid fire questions here. If you could play with any musician, live or dead, who would it be?
0: Good question. I would want to play some folk music with Jerry Garcia. Jerry Garcia. Yeah. I'd I'd want to <clears throat> play some heavy metal with Cliff Burton. Okay. And I'd want to play some some jazz with Buddy Rich on
1: drums interesting yeah, do you yeah have i think
0: a- that my uh dead super group would be uh elvis lead singing cliff burton bass playing but, buddy rich drumming and so who do we need oh guitar malcolm young playing rhythm guitar
1: elvis singing i find that the answers um, really elvis singing
0: yeah I, I do really like his voice really yeah
1: but i just wouldn't i didn't expect didn't yeah, so I think answer. it's Elvis,
0: Cliff Burton, Buddy Rich, <laughs> yeah. and Malcolm Young. That's my super group. That's who
1: you're in with. Yeah, that's right. Those are my background. <laughs> Elvis band. is my lead singer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that should be the name of your, ja- your jazz yeah. <laughs> music you got coming out. Elvis is my lead singer. Yeah. Um, do you have any thoughts as a guitar player as far as, like, uh, you know, to get more geeky about the instrument? Like, Do you have any thoughts about you know, string gauge. I know people talk about, you know, thicker strings. We well, I used to, to use
0: 13s now. on my acoustic, but then I went down to 12s. So it was just too demanding on my hands. It was starting to wear and tear on my hands. The thicker the string, the more stable your instrument's going to be and the the, the more you can dig into your notes, therefore the better tone you're going to get. But to do a lot of light touch play, if you want to play like Eddie Van Halen or anything that of that ilk, lighter strings are better. But then... I've just been playing primarily heavy strings, so on my electrics I would play 11s, and on my acoustics I play 12s. On my acoustics I used to play 13s, so I prefer the heavier strings, so that means that I've been playing with heavier strings for decades. And now if I play a guitar with light strings, I just, I just can't make it sound good. It's just all wiggly under my hand and, and doesn't make any sense.
1: Do you still exclusively use the Elixir strings? Because I, I do, do. since yeah. you introduced them to me. I've yeah, never, and I, I
0: don't care that they sound worse because of that coating sticks to it. it. Just the strings last longer than any other string design on Earth. And they feel better longer. Yeah, and they feel better longer. And when you're playing a lot of gigs and you have a, a certain sort of hatred for changing strings, there's nothing better than strings that last a long time.
1: If I could get one of those, like, sponsorships i would love to get like an elixir because you can submit you can actually submit yourself yeah well let that be my edit. endorsement
0: for elixir polywebs that's the classic first elixir strings they made not the compromised second draft where they put some shit cover on it that fades off immediately you want the polywebs that last forever
1: i love that you're so passionate about those strings because i am too because mm. like i like yeah i ever since you introduced me i'm like because i've had people tell me they're like you know I hate elixir strings. I'm like, what could you possibly hate about these strings? They were perfect. Could you describe, like, a good, if in words, a good guitar tone would be, in your estimation?
0: An electric guitar tone? Sure. A good electric guitar tone is one that is nice and warm and rich in the mid range and has just enough on the top to be glass like and shimmery, but stays out of the way of the bass guitar and the bass drum. So this usually means cutting frequencies below 150 or 200 or so on the electric guitar. You know, so it's that's not metal. A lot of guitar players in the metal vein have so much bass on their electric guitar, but the thing is that interferes with the low frequency instruments like the bass and the bass drum. So my perfect guitar stays out of everyone's way, is nice and rich and warm in the mid-range and is nice and shimmery upstairs, right? Like a good uh full-throated you know a or g chord you know like Malcolm Young's guitar sound
1: that's okay I was going okay. yeah. to ask for an example like uh, other yeah. than yourself like what is there a, another a guitar player that you could
0: yeah well I don't think I have Malcolm Young's tone dialed but that's in everything Well, that's yeah. what that's that's what like, who you, yeah.
1: you're going for you you started out that first guitar that you got what kind, was that a strat no
0: it it had a humbucker and a single coil was, Humbucker single yeah it was more like an like an 80s looking metal guitar like a tiny little metal copy
1: and then you got the i think your explorer right
0: well not yet before i got my explorer i got a i want to say charvel something like that something similar to a charvel that had a um
1: a floyd rose whammy bar on it well i ask because you still have that like that but yeah well that then a, i got was, the explorer yeah was i that bought the, the explorer that's an example of a guitar that like you got that you just like actually fell in love with
0: yeah well yeah totally i i had a job at that point and i i bought a real guitar eventually just, for myself you know there's no way my parents are going to buy me a, a gibson explorer and i still have it you
1: still have it yeah it's i do have mine like that, it's a good guitar yeah and then yeah. you got that prs which yeah and i've well. had
0: that for years so uh, those are still the two electric guitars that i own and i've had both for for decades
1: what's the greatest guitar design like a body like in your opinion
0: well, for metal, I love the Explorer, obviously. Mm-hmm. But for holding, you know, it's hard to top the strat style. Of the PRS? Love yeah, the the, yeah, the PRS with the double yeah. cutaway. And, you know, f- the way that it looks, Les Paul's are really awesome looking, but they're also a little clunky and heavy. So, you know, I, I don't prefer that. I, I like the double cutaway.
1: You have, because you have the, um, if you were trapped on a desert island, okay? You gotta, you you know, you gotta have an amp. You gotta have a guitar. You gotta have a couple pet, maybe a couple pedals. What would
0: you pick? Yeah, well, it would definitely be some sort of uh, double humbucking electric. Mm-hmm. So we can just take my PRS as an example. Mm-hmm. It would be something that was real versatile in the amplifier. So it's hard to top something like the uh, the Mesa Boogie uh, dual rectifier because it had so many different configurations. You could take it to 6L6s or EL84s, so different tube configuration. Mm-hmm. And then for pedals, I guess if I was by myself, it would I would definitely need a loop sampler, or I would go crazy right? Mm-hmm. without something to jam to. And then I would also need some sort of overdrive and a delay mm-hmm. and some reverb, and that's it.
1: And that's all, all I would need. Do you feel like because some guys have more pedals than other, you know, some guys have less pedals. Do you feel like you're a do you feel like you rely on your pedal, like on pedals a lot or like? do you feel like you rely on them too much at all?
0: I I certainly have several pedals, but I, I don't know. I think I dial in a few sounds. So there's not like I don't do what I did when I was in my early 20s, which could be termed the pedal dance. You know, which is distracting and it's, you know, you make mistakes that way. But I still do have quite the pedal board.
1: Because I, I mean, I, I, I think that there are guys out there that do lean too heavy on their pedal. I didn't think you did. I was just curious if you thought that you did.
0: Yeah, I have a pretty straightforward um, sound, I would say. No bells and whistles. Yeah. For my lead sound and my rhythm sound, it's, yeah. it's pretty clean. It sounds
1: good. Uh, if you could play a song, what song would you play for someone who's never heard of? A song from the Beatles?
0: I would play something nice and rocking. Let's go with something from Revolver. Okay. And, you know, what the heck? It might as well be Taxman. What about somebody who's never heard Metallica? For someone who's never heard Metallica, it's hard to go wrong with Seek and Destroy. How about motley Crue. well my love of motley Crue stems from those first few albums well, you know so let's go with take me to the top
1: what instrument don't you own that you wish you owned
0: i wish i had a mandolin i think that i could i could get busy with a mandolin but uh, i just don't have one so i have one i should
1: just give you th- i've, I've <laughs> no
0: time to develop an
1: aptitude Yeah, I I I, I would probably play it. I have, and I don't know how to play it. I should give it to you. I really should. If Marty McFly showed up in his DeLorean, what city, what era of music would you travel to?
0: Well, I guess it would have to be L.A. in the early 80s. That's how I'm feeling right now, but it it could very well be, you know, New York City at any time in the 1960s. You know, I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's a good question, but uh, I don't I don't have a good answer. Um, or it could be uh, San Francisco in the late nineteen sixties. Yeah.
1: So either Motley Crue or yeah. the Grateful Dead.
0: Yeah. Sure. That makes sense.
1: No, that's great. Um, you know, we talked about we watched earlier. We watched the movie, the dirt movie. You know, if what actor would you give the role of Brian Jump? The appropriate gravitas that it needs, like in the, the Bohemian Rhapsody retelling of your life yeah, story. Yeah, the, the jump biopic. Yeah. What actor would, would, would you give the role to?
0: Well, I always forget his name, but the actor that played David on Roseanne <laughs> has been thought to be my doppelganger by many people. He looks pretty similar to me.
1: <laughs> That's he I think they, he's on
0: the Big Bang Theory, too. But, it, well, he, he looks the most likely. I know like,
1: who you're talking about. But, I'm just. Oh, dude. The,
0: you want, like, a triumphant dancer? <laughs> yeah, I thought you'd pick a triumphant actor, not like. <laughs> I don't know. L- l- let's go with someone a, a little more boring.
1: Because right? not all the
0: actors always
1: look like that. They do the prosthetics <clears throat> yeah. sometimes and things like that. So you're. Just, <laughs> I was well, I have a feeling it probably should be a short dude. Like, it's
0: pro- I mean, probably couldn't be the rock. Right. That's who I want. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah.
1: If they did that, if the rocket star, I
0: I want the the rock, the star is me in the retelling of of my life story.
1: Are there any bands out there that like you kind of once loved that you feel have kind of like, you know, they're kind of just, you you can't understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. Like, yeah, the low hanging
0: fruit there there is Radiohead. Like I, have basically stopped paying attention. But I used to love them so much. i enamored by them, especially through OK Computer. Yeah. So, But I, I'm profoundly bored by anything that they do. But in all fairness, I'm pretty bored by everything that anyone does these days. I mean, I, I sort of like it when the nostalgia acts put out an album. But other
1: than that, I'm a little bit hard to please. So I think I'm going to ask one more question. Let's finish up with these Facebook questions there, Jump. Okay, cool. Sounds um, good. I just wanted to ask, as far uh, from a performance standpoint, um, you know, what with what we do, you know, there are a lot of uh, what do you love most about it? What do you hate most about it?
0: It, I like the thrill of of entertaining people when people recognize the song and they begin to give back and recognize some of the skill and ability that goes into the presentation. Mm -hmm. That's good. I obviously can do without the the late nights in the gear hall and some of the other rigors involved with, with setup, tear down, perform, yeah. and it's it's hard not to mention the the indifference that sometimes greets you from a not necessarily hostile crowd, but a militantly apathetic crowd is really the worst occupational hazard. Do you feel like you're paid? fairly well uh, it's easy for me to say yes i am underpaid but i do understand that the bar and restaurant business is one that is fraught with peril and operates on razor thin profit margins as it is so the bands have to be called from this razor thin profit margin they have to exist in there so it seems like wages have stagnated to a certain degree at least they have for us But, you know, I think that we make enough to keep doing it. I mean, if the payment were to decrease by 20% or so, then no, it would stop being worthwhile. Yeah, You know, if if our payment was decreased by 20%. You know,
1: if you were getting paid less money, you know, you couldn't still go do it because that joy isn't there enough Well, it's
0: not 100 percent absent uh, I, I would still miss it if say i hadn't played live in many months i would probably be jonesing to play live but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that we should sell ourselves short but sometimes you got to sell yourself short to get in the door somewhere and i'm okay with doing that but there, there usually okay. should be follow-up gigs that are more appropriate to the service so i have a few rapid fire questions from the facebook page And one is from my old neighborhood big kid and friend of my brother, Drew Curran, who asks, if chicks really love a guy playing guitar, what's the weirdest slash wildest thing a girl said to you? Okay, a good question. I have noticed throughout my adult life that my sex appeal has been augmented by my guitar playing, but it's been diminished too, especially here in my midlife stage where the women in my life have given me some shit about growing up and not playing in bands anymore. But I agree, some women find musicians compelling. Uh, Growing up a player, I've probably been more successful with women than I should have been, especially compared to the normal Dungeons & Dragons playing dorks, who probably more closely compare to my level of sex appeal. But it has happened. It's been rare, but on a few occasions... On a few occasions, a person will hurl themselves in my direction, but I think it might have been equal parts alcohol and guitar playing. Okay, question from TJ Riggs, who is my friend and guitarist for the 80s metal tribute band called Stainless. My question is on proper fingernail maintenance for finger style and or hybrid picking. What are some of the things that you do and products you might use to keep your nails strong and healthy? And have you ever thought about getting acrylic nails? I've heard that James Taylor gets his nails done. Okay, great question. Uh, nail maintenance is very important for those styles. And I find that general health and wellness keeps your fingernails healthy. So in the points of my life where I've had an unhealthy diet, my fingernails were brittle. But taking a daily vitamin helps. Um, maintaining a good diet helps. But it does happen. You will break a nail. So the thing is, acrylic nails, in my experience, do not work. So getting your nails done and having acrylic glued onto your fingertips doesn't work. But what does work, remarkably, and hang on here, this is true, is slivers of ping pong balls. So if you break a nail and you have super glue and you have ping pong balls and little scissors, you can cut out a sliver and form a really good prosthetic fingernail, trust me. I've used them even on some of my important concerts throughout my scholastic life. Pretty sure my fingernails were partly fake for at least one of my senior concerts where it really mattered that I had good nails. Okay, another question here from Mike Bergink, who is my friend and singer-songwriter in the band called As Ladders. He asks, does enjoying music for someone change the more you go? into doing music as a profession? In what ways? I may have even asked you this, but thanks for considering it. Rock on. Uh, Thanks, Mike. Yeah, it does change. As I've already mentioned in this podcast, it sort of alters the emotional connection. I no longer have the deep-seated love that I had for music growing up. Because I write about it, teach it, expound upon it, perform, pretty much without reprieve. And that's been going on for decades. It's non-stop. So yeah, for now, my enjoyment of music is somewhat diminished. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to stop, or that at some level, I do still harbor a true love and affection for this art form. Okay, one more question from the Facebook post. Ross Hastings, who is the guitarist for the instrumental trio called Keystone 3, And a music educator and my friend asks, What does it mean to practice something? When is it enough? Is it ever too much? And then he asks, in humor, Boxers or briefs? Okay, so here's my answer. To practice something means to recite something until it becomes automatic and can be performed by issuing rudimentary musical wishes. You are no longer thinking about it explicitly note for note. So instead, you're just sort of issuing a simple command from your mind to your hand, and it's being enacted through muscle memory routines that I've slammed into reality through vicious repetition. That is practicing. Vicious repetition. It's enough when it can be realized without breakdown, confusion, or error. Can you reliably deploy this musical thought? Does it unfurl without wrecking into the mountain? So, you know, sometimes mistakes will creep in, but statistically it has to happen 90% of the time without a hitch. And then practice is over whenever you have ownership over some musical fragment, phrase, or song. It's yours. Someone could wake you up first thing in the morning while hungover, hand you a guitar, and you're like, yeah, it's like this, leave me alone. Okay, and then uh, finally I
1: wear boxer briefs. I guess I just can't decide. All right, Jump. Well, that is all the questions that I have for you. Um, Thanks for, uh, I was, I had the idea that I wanted to ask you some questions that I was curious to hear your perspective.
0: Well, uh, thanks for the podcast idea. I enjoy doing it, and we're off to play a gig, so until next time. Thanks, guys.